the United States Steel Corporation, half a million employees and stockholders present the Theater Guild on the air. America's foremost producers of stage plays, including Oklahoma, Carousel, and over 150 productions in the American theater, comes to you now over the air. Tonight we bring you Eugene O'Neill's great comedy romance, Our Wilderness, starring Walter Houston and featuring Jackie Kelp and Eugene O'Neill Jr. as narrator. And here is Lawrence Langner, co-administrator with Teresa Helburn of the Theater Guild, to tell you about tonight's play, Mr. Langner. Ladies and gentlemen, our play tonight is Our Wilderness, Eugene O'Neill's comedy of American family life. This play provided the late George M. Cohan with his finest dramatic role and his longest run. A year in New York and two years on tour. O'Neill, America's only playwright to win the Nobel Prize, got the play title from Persia's bibulous bard, Omar Khayyam. In our wilderness, O'Neill is writing of the confusions of youth, its follies and its fevers, its heroics and heartbreaks. And he writes of it with great understanding and with great compassion, because he's setting down echoes of his own boyhood. O'Neill was born in a Broadway hotel and raised in New London, Connecticut. He is the son of the celebrated actor James O'Neill, who tinkled the spines of our parents with his gusty performance as the Count of Monte Cristo. O'Neill told me the story of how Our Wilderness came to be written. He'd been working over a year on another play. He was tired and felt a week's rest would refresh him. His rest lasted a single night. He awoke happy and excited in the grip of Our Wilderness, the plot, characters, and story vivid in his mind. The words poured out in torrents. He wrote the entire play in three weeks. Tonight will not be the first time Walter Houston has played an O'Neill father. As the father in Desire Under the Elms, Mr. Houston first won stardom. Since this play is about a father and son, it seems especially fitting to have as narrator the author's son, Eugene O'Neill, Jr. And now our play, Eugene O'Neill's Our Wilderness. turn back the pages of time for a nostalgic hour. It is the year 1906 in the United States of America. Teddy Roosevelt is in the White House. There's a blacksmith on every Main Street, and the automobile is a luxury item. The women are wearing Merry Widow hats, Chatelaine bags, and black Lyle stockings with lace openwork. And the men? Ah, the men have discovered peg-top trousers. Those strange indispensables you can climb into only by removing your shoes. There is a pug dog and a zipper in every home. 
And the title on the sheet music on every piano is Betty Ilya. Now that we've established the color and the period, I'd like you to meet the Miller family. They live in a large, small town in Connecticut, where Nat Miller is the owner and publisher of the local newspaper. First, there's Tommy, the youngest. Oh, I don't want any more milk, Ma. And I said, excuse me, and you said, all right. Can I go out and play now, Ma? May I go out? May I? Yes, but you set off your crackers away from the house, remember? Yes, ma'am. This is Mildred and Arthur, two more of the Miller children. Children? Oh, uh, I beg your pardon, Mildred. Uh, of course, you're not a child anymore. Uh, how old are you? Fifteen and four months. Well, uh, of course. Now, uh, suppose you describe yourself. Well, I'm tall and rather slender. I've got a nice nose and gray eyes. Well, I think I'm attractive. Uh, what are you wearing? I've got on high black shoes with French heels. A long black pleated skirt, very full at the bottom, and a white shirt waist. My hair is up, of course. Thank you. Now, uh, what about you, Arthur? I am a sophomore at Yale. Uh, thank you. Uh, and here, unless I'm mistaken, are Mrs. Miller and Aunt Lily. Goodness, Tommy left the screen door open. The house will be alive with flies. Well, you can't expect a boy to remember to shut doors on the 4th of July. That you all over, Lily. You'll have that boy spoiled to death in spite of me. Oh, I'm hot, aren't you? Oh, this is going to be a scorcher. Arthur, get up and let your Aunt Lily sit down. Take your mandolin over to the window seat. Certainly. Aunt Lily, my chair. Thank you, dear. And here come the gentlemen. Mr. Nathaniel Miller himself and Uncle Sid Davis. Matt has just turned 50. He's a little stoop-shouldered now from reading copy. And his hair, well, let's call it thin. What's the name of that piece, Arthur? Waltz Me Around Again, Willie. Oh, sure, I know that one. Oh, waltz me around again, Willie. Sid is Mrs. Around, Miller's brother. But he is not married to Aunt Lily. There's been talk about it for 20 years now, but Aunt Lily won't have him because, well, you'll hear about that later. Well, I guess that's about everybody, except Richard. Arthur, where is Richard? Still in the dining room reading a book. My gosh, he's always reading now. What's that into him, anyhow? He reads his school books, too. Things that may seem to you. That's why I came out the top of his class. I'm hoping before you leave New Haven, they'll find time to teach you reading is a good habit. Sure, but not the way he does it. I believe in moderation. All right, that'll be enough out of you. Sid, you're coming to the Onondaga Club picnic with me this afternoon? You bet. Sid, you be careful, won't you? Oh, sure. We're going to have dinner in the evening tonight, you know. The best chore dinner you ever tasted. And I don't want you coming home, well, not able to appreciate Oh, he'll be careful today, won't you, Sid? Lily, I swear to you, if any man offers me a drink, I'll kill him. <laughs> that is if he changes his mind. <laughs> uh... Want to come with me to the fireworks that play at the beach tonight, Lily? Oh, I, I'd like to see it. Thank you. Only not if you come home. Nat, you Nat, your sister's got an evil mind. She reads evil into everything I do, even before I do it. That reminds me, Nat, you've got to speak to Richard. It's about those evil books he's reading. I found some more in his closet. You've got to give him a good talking to. Do I have to on the 4th of July? That's got nothing to do with it. When it comes to a heart-to-heart -heart talk between a father and his son, the time of the year is irrelevant. You've got to talk to him right now. What's he reading? Nick Carter or old Cap Collier? No, he passed that period long ago. Poetry is his red meat nowadays. 
Love poetry. Hmm. Socialism, too, I suspect. Well, might as well get him on the carpet. Richard? Richard! Richard! Hey, Dick, wake up. Pa's calling you. All right, I'm coming. You want me, Pa? I hoped I'd made that plain. I didn't hear you, Pa. I was off in another world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear that, everybody? He was off in another world. What were you planning to do today, Richard? Going to the beach with your sister? That silly skirt party? I should say not. He's not, coming because Muriel McComber isn't. I bet he's got a date with her somewhere. You shut up. I thought I'd just stay home, Pa. This morning, anyway. Help uh, Tommy set off firecrackers, eh? <laughs> Father, I am 17 years old. A man of 17 does not spend his time with firecrackers. Besides, I don't believe in this silly celebrating the 4th of July. All this lying talk about liberty when there is no liberty. Mm. The land of the free and the home of the brave. Home of the slave is what they ought to call it. The wage slave. Ground under the heel of his master. Starving, crying out for bread for his children. And all he gets is a stone. I tell you, the 4th of July is a stupid farce. Hmm, then a mighty strong word, son. You better not repeat such sentiments outside the bosom of your family or they'll have you in jail. Yep, and throw away the key. Let them put me in jail. No, you can celebrate your 4th of July. I'll celebrate the day the people bring out the guillotine. That's what this country needs, plenty of guillotines. The days grow hot, O Babylon. Tis cool beneath thy willow There you are, Pa. That must be from one of those awful books he's reading. What uh, books are they, son? I'll tell you. There was one by that Oscar Wilde, the picture of... The picture of Dorian Gray. One of the greatest novels ever written in the English language. Then there was a play by that Irishman, Barnard Shaw. The greatest living playwright in the English language. And poems by a man named Swin... Poems and ballads by Algernon Charles Swinburne. Just the greatest living poet in the English language. He... He tells the truth about real love. Love? Why, why, some of the things I simply couldn't read, they're so, so indecent. All about, well, I can't tell you before Lily and Mildred. And he just got a new one yesterday. The ruby, oh, what is it, Richard? The ruby out of Omar Khayyam. Well, that's the best of all. No, I've read that, Mother. I got a copy at the office. I, I read that, too, at the library. I like some parts of it. The moving finger writes, and having writ, moves on. Nor all your piety nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line. Nor all your tears wash out a word of it. Why, Lily, I never knew you to recite poetry before. Good for you, Aunt Lily. Oh, but that isn't the best. The best is a book of verses underneath the bow, a jug of wine, a loaf of bread. And thou beside me, singing in the wilderness. Now, who in the world old man McComber, I can see him through the window. Dave? What in front of that old boring idiot? Excuse me, I was just leaving. Yeah, me too. I got to catch a nine o'clock crowd. Wait for me, Art. Wait till I get my hat. And that you'll get rid of him the first second you can. Well, I want to Why do I have about... to listen to that old buzzard? Why is it He's always I? He's your biggest I? advertiser, dear. That's why. Well, don't you think I know that? If it weren't, you know what I'd do? I'd take him by the seat of the pants and I'd... All right, everybody clear out. If that old battle has got something to complain about, he's come to the right party this time. I'm just about fed up with him. And you come back here as soon as he leaves, Richard. I'm not through with you yet. Oh, come in, Mr. McComber. Sit down. Have a cigar. You're forgetting. I never smoke. Oh, so I was, yeah. Well, I'll smoke alone, then. I'll come to the point at once. I regret to say something disagreeable. Disgraceful would be near the truth. And it concerns your son, Richard. Oh, come, Dave. I'm sure Richard hasn't... Uh... I'm positive he has. 
You're not calling me a liar, I hope. No one said anything about a liar. I only meant you're surely mistaken if you think... I'm not mistaken. I have proof of everything in his own handwriting. Uh, let's get down to bass tacks. Now, just what it is you're charging my son with. With being dissolute and blasphemous. I charge him with deliberately attempting to corrupt the morals of my daughter, Muriel. Then I'm afraid I will have to call you a liar, Dave. I thought you'd get around to that, so I brought some of the proofs with me. Have a look at them. I have a lot more at home. What are they, letters? You might call them that. Can you deny they're in your son's handwriting? No, I can't. Anyways, Muriel's confessed he wrote them to her. Go on, read one, out loud. My life is bitter with thy love. Thine eyes blind me. Thy tresses burn me. Thy sharp sighs divide my flesh and spirit with soft sound. Why, that's swim. Exactly. And that's one of the mild ones. Evidently, you've been too busy to take the right care about Richard's bringing up or what he's allowed to read. But that's your misfortune and none of my business. But my daughter Muriel is my business, and I can't, and I won't have her innocence exposed to the contamination of a young man whose mind, judging from his choice of reading matter, is as foul oh, as... Oh, darned old fool. Can't you see Richard's only a fool kid who's just at the stage when he's out to rebel against all authority, so he, he grabs at anything radical to read, and he wants to pass it on to his girl and boyfriends. Yes, and his elders, too. Show off what a young hellion he is. Here, take this stuff back. It doesn't mean anything to me. That is nothing of what you think it means. And if you believe that this would corrupt Muriel, <laughs> then you must believe she's easily corrupted. Now you're insulting my daughter. I won't forget that. I'm not insulting her. I think Muriel is a darn nice girl. That's why I'm giving her credit for ordinary good sense. Well, I knew you'd prove obstinate, but I certainly never dreamed you'd have the impudence what to What did you there. dream I'd do? Give him a hiding he'd remember to the last day of his life. You ought to do it for his sake if he had any sense, unless you want him to end up in jail. Dave, I've said all I can for you. Now, you get out and get out quick before I... am going, but there's one thing more. Here's a letter from Muriel for your son. Makes plain how she feels about him. I hope he heeds what's inside for his own good and yours, because if I ever catch him hanging around my place again, I'll have him arrested. And don't think I'm not going to make you regret your insults. I'm taking the advertisement for my store out of your paper. Go ahead. I'll call your bluff. And starting tomorrow, I'm going to refuse to print your ad. Why, when I get through, there won't be a person in town that'll buy a dish rag in your place. Now, get out. Hey, you forgot your letters. Hmm. Looks like they're all swindling. Hmm. And I could drink thy veins as wine and eat thy flesh like honey... That from face to feet, thy body were abolished and consumed, and in my flesh, thy very flesh entombed. Hmm. This stuff is kind of warm. Too darn warm, if you ask me. Certainly not the kind of thing to be sending to a decent girl. Hmm. I thought the boy was just stuck on her. The way one gets stuck on a decent girl at his age. I wonder... I wonder if maybe... By the Lord, if that's true, I'll give him a hiding and he'll never forget. Richard, come in here. Yes, Pa? Now, look here, son. I'm going to ask you a question and I want an honest answer. And I warn you beforehand, if the answer is yes, I'm going to punish you and punish you hard. Because you'll have done something no boy of mine ought to do. You've never lied to me before, I know, and I don't believe even to save yourself punishment, you'd lie to me now. Would you? I won't lie, Pa. Have you been trying to have something to do with Muriel? 
something... You know what I mean. No. What do you think I am, Pa? Why, I, I love her. I'm going to marry her after I get out of college. She said she would. We're engaged. All right. That's all I wanted to know. I don't see how you could think... Did that old idiot Macomba say that about mm, me? You shouldn't be calling your future father-in-law names. It ain't respectable. It's these letters you wrote. What letters? Oh, Swinburne. Oh, they're beautiful, aren't they? Mm, a little strong, I'd say. Uh, by the way, uh, here's one from her to you. Uh, better be prepared for a bit of a blow, son. Well, I'll see you at dinner. Mr. Richard Miller, this is to let you know that I have no wish to see you ever again, anywhere, anytime. Please do not make a nuisance of yourself by trying to get me to change my mind as my eyes have been opened to your true character. Very truly yours, Muriel Macomba. Poor little coward. I hate her. She can't treat me like that. I'll show her. I'll show her. Muriel. Muriel. I do hope Nat and Sid aren't going to be late for dinner. But I suppose with that darn picnic, it's more likely than not. See, you've got your new dress on, Lily. Yes, I thought if Sid's taking me to the fireworks tonight, I, I ought to spruce up a little. Lily, why don't you change your mind and marry Sid and reform him? You love him and always have. I can't love a man who drinks. Essie, it's 16 years since I broke off our engagement. 16 years? Mm -hmm. But if he keeps his promise and stays sober and takes me to the fireworks tonight, then... Oh, he must. It, it's our last chance. I know it. Well, dear, I hope you're right. Good gracious, if I'm not forgetting, I've got to warn Matt Tommy against giving me away to Matt about the fish. He knows because I had to send him to market for it. And... Oh, Essie, what are you talking about? Well, you know how Nat carries on about not being able to eat bluefish. Yes, I know. He says there's a certain oil in it that poisons him. Poisons him nothing. He's been eating bluefish for years. <laughs> Only I tell him each time it's weak fish. <laughs> We're having it tonight. And... <laughs> oh, Ma. Aunt Lily. Oh, it's you, Richard. Feel any better, dear? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Dick, you really mustn't let it upset you this way. Things like this come up all the time, I know. Things like what, Aunt Lily? You and Muriel. Oh, her. I wasn't even thinking about her. I was thinking about life. Aunt Lily, life is a joke. Oh. Everything comes out all wrong in the end. Richard, I think you must be hungry. I'm not hungry a bit. Ooh, that's all you think of in this house. Well, somebody's got to think of it. And that reminds me, it's time to put the weak fish in. <laughs> Coming, Lily? Yes, Effie. Fine thing. The world torn up. Civilization and its death rattle. All they think of is food. What? Hey. Hey, Sid. Open the screen door. Let me in. Lady Winston. Oh, hello, Wynn. Come on in. Keep it quiet, kid. I don't want your folks to know I'm here. Tell your brother Rod I want to see him all second. On a QT. I can. He's up at the ranch. Won't be home before 10 anyway. Oh, darn. I, I thought he'd be here for dinner. Gosh, 
comes to work for fair. What is it, Wynn? Can I help? Well, I might tell you if you can keep your face shut. Oh, I can. Well, I ran into a couple of swift babies from New Haven this afternoon. I dated them up for the night, thinking I could catch art. But now it, it's too late to get anyone else, and I'm nearly broke, and I can't afford to blow them both to drinks. Well, I've got $11 saved up. I could loan you some. Nick, kid, now, I don't want to borrow your money, but you're a good sport. Say, say, have you got anything on for tonight? No. Oh, you want to come along with me? I'm, I'm not trying to lead you astray, understand, but it would be a help if you just sit around with Belle while I'm with Edith. See what I mean? You don't have to do anything, not even take a glass of beer unless you want to. Oh, what do you think I am? A rube? I mean, you're game for anything that's doing? Sure I am. You ever been out with any girls? I mean, real swift ones? Oh, what do you think? Sure I have. Say, don't worry about me. Okay. I, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't know you were coming down to Yale next year. I don't want to lead you astray. Oh, I've been around. Well, you'll be at the Pleasant Beach house at half past eight then. The back room. And bring some clothes to take the booze off your breath. So long. So long, Wind. See you right after dinner tonight. In the sweet by and by. Hush, Ned, how about you? No, thanks. Uh, I'll have some of that other, uh, uh, it isn't bluefish by any chance, is it, my dear? Well, of course not. You know we never have bluefish on account of you. Yeah, I regret to say there's a certain peculiar oil in bluefish that invariably poisons. <laughs> Stop that, Tom. Stop that this instant. I, I can't help it, Mark. Well, I don't see what's so darn funny about my being poisoned. Ah, ah, I suspect the plot. This fish looks blue to me. Very blue. Uh, 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 look at your wife. Regards that guilty expression. Can it be this woman has been slowly and systematically poisoning you all these years? Can it? Oh, give us a rest, you darn fool. A joke's a joke, but is this true, Essie? Yes, dear, it is true, if you must know. You've eaten bluefish for years and thrived on it, and it's all nonsense about that peculiar oil. Essie, kindly allow me to know my own constitution. Now I think of it, I have felt so upset afterwards every darn time I've had fish. Yeah, you take it away. I, I can't eat this. Well, don't then. Have some lobster. In the sweet... How about you, Sid? No, thanks. We will meet on that Mercy beautiful sake, Sid, can't you stop singing? No, ma'am. When I feel good, I want the world to know. Work and pray. Lily, I regret I am too drunk to take you to the fireworks this evening. I regret it very, very much. 
And now I ask you, Lily, once and for all, will you marry me? No, Sid, I won't. Right. Don't blame me at all. In the sweet by and by. <laughs> well, that's it. He's a case. <laughs> Darn if you can help laughing at him, even when he's... Just it. Everyone always laughing. Everyone always saying what a card he is, what a case, what a cost. It's so funny. He's gone on. Now, We're really. all responsible, making it easy for him. We're all to blame. And all we do is laugh. Now, Lily, now, you mustn't take on. So it isn't as serious as all that. Maybe it is to me or was once. Oh. I'm sorry, Ned. I'm sorry, Essie. I, I'm not feeling myself tonight. If you'll excuse me, I, I'll just go into the parlor and lie down on the sofa for a while. Poor Lily. Why, Richard, you haven't had your ice cream yet. Where are you going? Oh, I don't want any ice cream, Ma. Your mother asked you where you were going. Oh, well, for a walk, I guess. I'll see you later. Good night. Uh, don't come home late, dear, and be careful. What with all those fireworks going off don't and worry everything. Don't Ma. Nothing can happen to me. <laughs> listening to the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. Tonight's play is Eugene O'Neill's Our Wilderness, starring Walter Houston and featuring Jackie Kelk and Eugene O'Neill, Jr. as narrator. Now, before our second act begins, here, speaking for United States Steel, is the well-known reporter of the American Broadcasting Company, George Hicks. Good evening. During the past week, I learned several important facts about how U.S. Steel works to produce better steels so that you will get better values in the products of steel you buy. For example, I learned a few things about U.S. Steel's tremendous and continuous research program, which I think will interest you. In the first place, each company in the U.S. Steel family has its own research organization. But in addition, much of the important work done by these individual research organizations is coordinated with the work of U.S. Steel's General Research Laboratory in Kearney, New Jersey. In other words, improvements in steel making are the result of pooled resourcefulness, and this system of combined research activity will go on saving millions of dollars for you, the public, in peace, just as it did for you during the war. Incidentally, I think you'll be interested to learn that at the big Kearney Laboratory, internships, very much like those served by doctors, are provided for men selected from U.S. Steel District and Plant Laboratories all over the country. These men stay a year or more in Kearney, working on specific problems and observing research techniques, and then return to the U.S. Steel subsidiary companies to continue their own activities. Yes, the research activities of U.S. Steel may be centered in Kearney, where scientists and engineers work on so many fundamental problems, but they also extend to almost every plant and mine of the corporate family, and countless investigations are continuously in progress. However, these investigations are not confined to metallurgical research, but include studies of all the materials that go into the manufacture of steel. And every hour consumed and every dollar spent in all this research has but one purpose, and that is to produce better steel, more uniform steel at the lowest possible cost. Today, the scientists and metallurgists of U.S. Steel have left the problems of wartime and are now concentrating on the improvement of steel for peacetime products and processes. 
The result of this carefully integrated program of research, both in the Kearney and the U.S. Steel Plant Laboratories all over America, will be reflected in the automobiles you drive, the tin cans on your grocer's shelves, the bolts and screws you tighten, your garden tools, and in the thousands of other products vital to modern civilization. We now pause for station identification. WJZ New York. We continue with the second act of Eugene O'Neill's Our Wilderness, starring Walter Houston and featuring Jackie Kelp and Eugene O'Neill Jr. as narrator. Still back in 1906, and it's still the 4th of July. It's evening now. Dad and Mother and Aunt Lily are in the parlor. Uncle Sid has gone upstairs to sleep off his uh, high spirits. And Dick, well, young Richard, having just been thrown over by his best girl, has set his feet firmly along the path to ruin. To help out a friend, he has consented to be the fourth party in a blind date with two swift babies from New Haven. We see him now at the Pleasant Beach House, a notorious waterfront dive. And with him is, yes, one of the swift babies. Her name is Belle. So this is the Pleasant Beach House. Gee. This is it. And my name is Belle, remember? Of course I do. I I wonder where my friend Wint disappeared to. Stop worrying. He'll be back. So will Edith. Drink up your beer, why don't you? It's getting flat. Oh, I let it get that way on purpose. I like it when it's flat. Then how about loosening up and, and buying me another drink, huh? Oh, certainly. Excuse me, I, I was thinking of something else. Have anything you like. A bartender. See what the lady will have. And have one on me yourself. Ah, hey, you're a sport, all right. I'll have a cigar. What do you have, candy kid? The same? Uh-huh. What's yours, mister? Another beer? Uh, a small one, please. I'm not thirsty. Say, kid, I don't know what to make of you. You got me guessing. Don't you know filling up on beer will only make you sleepy? Have a man's drink. Oh, all right. I was going to. Uh, bartender, bring me a slow gin fizz. And make it a real one. Come on. Say, dearie, uh, are you sore at me? Me? No, of course not. Whatever gave you that idea? You see, it's, it's this way with me. I think you're one of the sweetest kids I've ever met. And I could like you such a lot if, if you'd give me a chance. Instead of acting so cold and indifferent. Oh, I'm not cold and indifferent. It's only that I've got a weight on my mind. Well, get it off. You'll feel better. There you are. That'll be 40 cents with a cigar. Oh, here's a dollar. Uh, keep the change. Thank you, sir. Don't mention it. Well, here's how. Bottoms up. <laughs> That's the stuff. Gee, you got pretty hair. Honey boy, I'm I'm crazy about you. Bartender, another round. The same. I I'm crazy about you, too. Then how about a little kiss? Oh, I've sworn off all that. What do you mean you swore off all that? I took an oath I'd be faithful. To death to a part. Oh, well, well. Here's your pleasure. Oh, here's a dollar. 
Keep the change. Thank you, sir. Don't mention it. Well, bottoms up. <coughs> Gee, that's good stuff, all right. Well, well, good evening. Hello. Mind if I join the party? I'm just a lonesome bachelor tonight. There's and, uh... no party here, mister. Not that I ain't trying. That sounds uh, hopeful. Well, let's have another drink. Bartender. You've had enough. Listen, kid, here's an old friend of mine, Mr. Smith from New Haven. We're old friends, aren't we, Smitty? Definitely. Kid, I'm, I'm going over and sit at his table for a while, and you better go home. I'm never going home. I'll show them. But I wouldn't do such because I loved her too much. But I learned about women from her. <laughs> this is rich. boy, young fella. Give us some more. Belle, I have something to say to you. I don't want to hear it. You, you oughtn't to lead this kind of life. It isn't right for a nice girl like you. Why don't you reform? <laughs> That's rich. That's rich, that is. Shut up. <laughs> the kid's in love. Tell us about it, honey. Yeah, who is she? What's her name? Her name? Her name? I cannot tell you her name. Oh, why not? It is gone. Gone with the rest of her. What's the matter? Is she dead? In a manner of speaking, she has ceased to be. What's happened to her? I killed her. What? What? Yet each man kills the thing he loves. By each, let this be heard. Some do it with a bitter look. Some with a flattering word. The coward does it with a kiss. The brave man with a sword. I did it with a kiss. I'm a coward. A coward, do you hear? Oh, Muriel. Muriel, I feel... I feel awfully sleepy. Muriel, dear. That's right, kiddo. Have yourself a little snooze. Richard would come home? Yeah, now, Mother, he'll be here any minute now. Don't worry about him. What time is it now? Why, it's, uh, it's only a little past ten. Why, you said that an hour ago. And that, Miller, you're telling me a fib so as not to worry me. You let me see that watch. Well, it's a quarter to eleven. But that's not so late when you remember it's the fourth of July. Oh, I just know something terrible's happened to him. Oh, Ma, Dick only sneaked out to the fireworks at the beach. You wait and see. Oh, yes, Dick. He hasn't come in yet, dear. My gracious, in all the excitement, I was forgetting you were still up. Go up to bed this minute. Oh, I'm not sleepy. You hear what your mother said? Okay. I heard. Night, everybody. Night, 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 dear. What time is it? My mother, I told you just a minute ago. I don't see how you can take it so calm. Here it is midnight, you might say, and our Richard's still out. And we don't even know where he is. I hear someone. I bet that's him now, Ma. You give him a good piece of your mind, Matt. You hear me? You're too easy with him. That's the whole trouble. The idea of him daring to stay out like this. Hello. Oh, it's Uncle Sid. Hello, Sid. Had a good nap? Nat, Nessie, and Lily, I, I want to apologize for coming home the way I did. There's no excuse, but... I didn't mean it, really. Of course, Sid. It's all forgotten. We know how it is with picnics, Sid. You just forget it. Lily, I'm sorry about the fireworks. Can you forgive me? Lily? Oh, you're right, Lily. Right not to forgive me. I'm no good and I never will be. I'm a no-good drunk. No good to myself or anybody else. If I had any guts, I'd kill myself and good riddance. 
but I haven't. I'm yellow, too. A yellow, drunken bum. <laughs> Don't cry, David. I can't bear it. Of course, I forgive you. Haven't I always forgiven you? Oh. I know you're not to blame. So don't, sit. It's dead. Oh, thank heaven, thank heaven. Greetings, mother, father, relatives. I greet you on this auspicious and patriotic occasion. Dear Lord, what's happened to him? He's gone crazy. Richard! Crazy huh? nothing. He's out. He's drunk, all right. You've got your nerve, you fresh kid. We'll take that out of you when we get you down to Yale, all right, all right. Yesterday, this day's madness did prepare. Tomorrow's silence, triumph, or despair. Drink! Richard! How dare Don't you! Don't you strike him, Ned! Don't you Steady, dare. Nat, steady. Now keep your temper. Oh. No good bawling him out now. He don't know what he's all right. doing. All right. You're all right, Sid. And then I will come with vine leaves in my hair. <laughs> Richard! You're intoxicated, you bad, wicked boy, you. Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounce it to you, trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it as so many of your players do, I had as leaf... had as leaf... Ma, I feel rotten. Oh, my poor boy. Yeah, let me take care of him. Oh. I know this game backwards. <laughs> yes, Mother. You leave him to Sid. Oh. Come on, old sport. Uh, Upstairs we go. Your old Uncle Sid will fix you up. He's the kid that wrote the book. Listening to the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. Tonight's play is Eugene O'Neill's All Wilderness. And before our third act begins, here again for United States Steel is George Hicks. When I was overseas, I bumped into one of those huge underground arsenals which the Germans hoped would help win the war for them. I was describing it to some folks at United States Steel, and they told me that we too had a tremendous underground arsenal in this country operating throughout the war. What they were referring to were the great iron ore deposits in the soil of northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, and upper Michigan, where our country gets 85% of the iron ore it uses to make steel. It is in this area that the Oliver Iron Mining Company, one of the members of the United States Steel family, operates mines which supply iron ore for the furnaces of United States Steel and other steel producers. And during the war years, the men and women of the Oliver Company brought production to the greatest level in history in order that the blast furnaces might be fed. An important factor in this accomplishment was the long experience of Oliver Iron Mining Company as a pioneer in research. For over 40 years, this company has been studying methods of improving the ore being mined. Because not all ore is suitable for use as it comes from the earth, the Oliver Company has built plants which take the ore and improve its quality so that it does become suitable for steel making. The ore is crushed and washed and concentrated thereby removing impurities. In this way, natural resources are conserved, and oil, uh, ore deposits, which might otherwise be neglected, are made useful to man. Last year, this member of the United States Steel family established a new iron ore research laboratory at Duluth, Minnesota, to centralize these activities. Here, the pioneer working will be intensified and carried forward in a long-range program of experiments directed toward conserving natural resources through greater use of all grades of iron ore. In this way, the Oliver Iron Mining Company is helping to ensure for generations to come 
a continued supply of iron ore to make the steel which is basic to our high standard of living. Well, it's the next day now, July 5th. Nat Miller has broken a precedent and come home during the day for one specific purpose. He has promised Mrs. Miller that he will punish their son Richard for coming home uh, intoxicated the night before. Darn it, Mother. I ought to be back at the office. You can't go back without talking to him. It's your duty. What is Dick done? Why is everybody scared to tell me? Young man, I've never spanked you yet, but that doesn't mean I never will. Now skedaddle. By the way, Mother, where is Richard? He's still in bed. But you needn't think I haven't punished him. I've given him pieces of my mind he won't forget in a hurry. And I've kept reminding him his real punishment was still to come. That you were coming home from the office on purpose. And that then he'd learn you could be terribly stern when he did such awful things. Hmm? And that's just what it's your duty to do. Punish him good and hard. The idea of him daring to... Oh, but you be careful how you go about it, Nat. Remember, he's like you inside. Too sensitive for his own good. Shall I go up now and tell him to get dressed? Do you want to see him? Yeah, I can't waste all day around here. Now, you keep your temper, Nat. Remember? Darn women anyway. They always get you mixed up. Their minds simply don't know what logic is. Sid. Oh, Sid. Yes, Nat? Sit down. I want to talk to you. Sid, this thing with Dick is a darn sight more serious than Essie has any idea. There was a woman with him last night at the Pleasant Beach House. That dive? They were seen together. That's just the sort of a darn fool thing he'd do to spite Muriel. And I've got to have a straight talk with him about women and all those things. I ought to have long ago. Yes, you ought. I tried a couple of times. That I did all right with Arthur, but heck, with Richard, I, I always get sort of ashamed of myself and I can't get started right. You feel, in spite of all his bold talk out of books, that he's so darn innocent inside. Oh, hello, Mother. I'm sorry, Nat, but he was sound asleep, and I didn't have the heart to wake him. Well, I'll be double-darned if you're not the... Now, don't lose your temper at me, Nat Miller. You know as well as I do he needs all the sleep he can get today after last night's ructions. Well, I'll be eternally... Here I come home, especially, and... And you don't even... Because he was sound asleep... Well, there's no use talking. You certainly take the cake. I'll see you at supper. Well, I never saw Nat so bad-tempered. <laughs> bad-tempered nothing. He's so tickled to get out of it for a while, he can't see straight. Go away. Can't a man have any privacy, even in his own bedroom? I've got something for you. Guess what? Oh, don't bother me. I'm in no mood to play riddles with kids. Oh, well, if you're going to get snippy and you pretend to be in love, if I told Muriel that... Is it from her? Uh Uh-huh. A letter. I was walking past her house just now and she threw it down to me. Here it is. Oh, gee, it must be nice to be in love like you are. All with one person. Oh, gee, do you know what she says? She didn't mean a word in that other letter. Her old man made her write it. And she loves me and only me and always will, no matter how they punish her. My, I never thought she had that much fun. And she's going to try to sneak out and meet me tonight. I don't know whether I'll consent to keep this date or not. Well, I know. You're not allowed out, so you can't keep it. I'm going to sneak out right now. You tell Pa and Ma after I've gone so they won't worry, like last night. All right. 
But what do you do till nighttime? It's ages to wait. Oh, what do I care how long I wait? I'll think of her and dream. I'd wait a million years and never mind it for her. Trouble with you is you don't know what love means. the beginning. Well, Muriel, after I read your first letter, I didn't want to live anymore. Life seemed like a tragic farce. I'm so awfully sorry, Dick. Honest, I am. You might have known I'd never write that I I thought your love for me was dead. I thought you'd never love me. That you'd only been cruelly mocking me to torture me. Oh, Dick, I'd never. You know I'd never. I wanted to die. I sat and brooded about death. Finally, I made up my mind to kill myself. Oh, Dick, you didn't. I did, too. I thought, when I am dead, she will be sorry she ruined life. If you ever had, I'd have died too. Honest, I would. Suicide is the act of a coward. That's what stopped me. And anyway, I thought to myself, she isn't worth it. Well, that's a nice thing to say. Well, if you meant what was in the letter, you wouldn't have been worth it, would you? But I've told you a dozen times, Pommy. So I said to myself, I am through with women. They are all alike. I'm not. And I thought... What difference does it make what I do now? I might as well forget her and lead the pace that kills and drown my sorrows. You know, I had $11 saved up to buy you something for your birthday. But I thought, she's dead to me now. Why shouldn't I throw it away? Oh, I've still got almost five left, Muriel. I can get you something nice with that. Oh, do I care about your old present? Tell me what happened. Well, after it was dark, I sneaked out and... Went to a low dive I know about. A secret house of shame. They let me into a secret room behind the bar room. There wasn't anyone there but a Princeton senior I know. He belongs to Tiger Wren and he's fullback on the football team. And he had two chorus girls from New York with him. And they were all drinking champagne. Oh, Dick Miller, I hope you did. I had a highball myself. Then I noticed one of the girls, uh, the one that wasn't with the fullback, looking at me. She had strange-looking eyes. Then she asked me if I wouldn't drink champagne with them and come and sit with her. She must have been a nice thing. Did you? Why shouldn't I? When you told me in that letter you'd never see me again. But you ought to have known from me. I didn't know that then. She had yellow hair. The kind that burns and stings you. Did you get drunk? Only a little at first. But you ought to have seen me when I got home. I was on the verge of delirium treatments. Did you kiss her? No, I didn't. You did, too. You're lying, and you know it. You did, too. I hate you. I wish you were dead. I'm going home this minute, and I never want to lay eyes on you again, and this time I mean it. Muriel, wait, listen. I don't want to listen. Let me go. If you don't, I'll bite your hand. I won't let you go. You've got to let me explain. I'm out. All right. Go if you want to. You haven't the decency to let me explain. I'll go back to her of the yellow tresses that burn and sting. See, that's what I mean. Was she very beautiful? Yes. But not as beautiful as you. Do you love her? No. I love you. I'm sorry I hurt your hand. With nothing. Muriel. Yes? Can I... Can I kiss you? Will it wash off her kisses? 
Make you forget for always? Oh, yes. All right, then, Dick. The moon is beautiful tonight, isn't it? Not as beautiful as you. Nothing is. Wouldn't it be wonderful after we're married? Gosh, but I love you. Gosh, I love you, darling. I love you, too, sweetheart. Where are we going on our honeymoon, Dick? Niagara Falls. That dump where all the silly fools go. I should say not. No, we'll go to some wonderful place. Somewhere out on the long trail. The trail that is always new. On the road to Mandalay. We'll watch the dawn come up like thunder out of China. That'll be wonderful, won't it? Mildred told me where Richard went off to. I would have worried my heart out if she hadn't. But now it's all right. Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. Just because we know he's all right tonight doesn't mean that last night is wiped out. He's still got to be punished for that. Nat, I've told you how sorry he was and how he said he'd never touch liquor again. It didn't make him feel happy like Sid, but only sad and sick. So he didn't see anything in it for him. That's what he said. Well, if he's really got that view of it driven into his skull, I don't know but when I'm glad it all happened. That'll protect him more than a thousand lectures. Just horse sense about himself. Still, I, I can't let him do such things and go scot-free. Then besides, there, there's another side to it. What do you mean, another side? I mean, uh, uh, discipline. There's got to be some discipline in the family. And I don't want him to get the idea he's got a stuffed shirt at the head of the table. That's Richard now. Hello. Hello, Richard. Hello, son. Goodness, he acts queer. Matt, do you suppose he's been... No, no, it's love, not liquor this time. Richard, what's the matter with you? Why are you sitting down over there in the dark? Huh? Your father's been waiting to talk to you. Uh, you better leave Richard and me alone for a while, uh, Mother. Well, uh, all right. I'll go sit on the piazza. Call me if you want me. Sit down over here, Richard. Well, how are the vine leaves in your hair this evening? I don't know, Pa. Turned out to be poison ivy, didn't they? I know I was a darn fool. <laughs> you sure were. Not only a fool, but a downright stupid, disgusting fool. It's bad enough for you to let me and Arthur see you, but to appear like that before your mother and Mildred. And I wonder if Muriel would think you were so fine if she ever saw you as you looked and acted then. I think she'd give you your walking papers for keeps. You couldn't blame her. No nice girl wants to give her love to a stupid drunk. I know, Pa. All right. And that settles that. The booze end of it. But there's another thing that's more serious. How about that woman you were with at the Pleasant Beach house? Well, you know. Did you, uh... Uh, that is, uh... Did you? No, Pa, I didn't. Well, how, how'd you happen to meet this lady, anyway? I can't tell that, Pa. I'd have to snitch on someone. You wouldn't want me to do that. No, I, I suppose I wouldn't. <clears throat> well, I believe you, and I guess that settles that. But listen here, Richard. It's about time, and you, I, you and I had a serious talk about uh, uh, certain matters pertaining to... Uh, 
And uh, now that the subject has come up of its own accord, it's, it's a good time... Well, I, I mean, there's no use in procrastinating further. So here goes. Richard, you have now come to the age when... Well, you're a fully developed man, in a way. And it's, uh, and it's only natural for you, uh, I mean, uh, pertaining to the opposite sex. Uh, uh, it's only natural for you... Uh, uh, here's what I'm driving at, Richard. <laughs> there are girls and uh, girls. I mean, your whole life may be ruined if... Uh, I mean, there are some who... I mean, there are apt to be whited sepulchers, and your whole future life may... Uh, I mean... Uh, uh, see what I mean? <laughs> oh, heck, I suppose you boys talk all this over among yourselves, and you know more about it than I do. I'll admit I'm no authority. I never had anything to do with such women... It'll be a heck of a lot better for you if you never do. I'm never going to, Pa. I don't see how you could think I could now. And you know I love Muriel and I'm going to marry her. Well, I'd die before That's I... That's the talk. By George, I'm proud of you when you talk like that, son. <laughs> There's nothing more I can say when we, we'll forget it, eh? How are you going to punish me, Pa? Oh, yeah, I was forgetting about that, wasn't I? Well, I... I thought of telling you that you couldn't go to Yale. Don't I have to? Gee, that's great. Muriel thought you'd want me to. I was telling her I'd rather you gave me a job on the paper because then she and I could get married sooner. See, Pi, you picked a lemon. That isn't my punishment. You'll have to do something besides that. Then you'll have to go to Yale and stay there until you graduate. And that's the answer to that. Muriel's got good sense and you haven't. All right, Pa. You say so. I do say so. Now we're finished, you... Better call your mother. Ma. My, it's a beautiful night. The moon's way down low, almost setting. Yeah, I was noticing it, too. Don't believe I've ever seen such a beautiful night. With such a wonderful moon. Have you, Richard? Oh, no. It was wonderful down at the beach. I can only remember a few nights that were as beautiful as this. They were so long ago when your mother and I were young and planning to get married. Yes. I'll bet those must have been wonderful nights, too. You sort of forget the moon was the same way back then and everything. You're all right, Richard. You're a good boy, Richard. Better get to bed tonight early now. Hadn't you, son? Oh, I couldn't sleep. Can't I go on the piazza and sit for a while till the moon sets? All right. And you better say goodnight now. I I don't know about your mother, but I'm going to bed right away. I'm dead tired. So am I. Kiss me goodnight, dear. Goodnight, Ma. Goodnight. Don't stay up till all hours now. Goodnight, Pa. Why, Dick. Hmm. First time he's done that in years. I don't believe in kissing between fathers and sons after a certain age. It seems mushy and silly, but... That meant something. And, Mother, I... I don't think we'll ever have to worry about his being safe from himself again. Um, I guess no matter what life will do to him, he... He can take care of it now.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lawrence Langner again for the Theatre Guild to say thank you, Walter Houston, Jackie Kelk, Eugene O'Neill Jr., and the rest of the cast of Our Wilderness. And now, a word or two about next week's play. It's the gay comedy Mr. Pym Passes By by A.A. A. Milne, author of many a whimsical and witty play, author, too, of at least one crack detective story, The Red House Mystery, and known the world over for his delightful children's books, including Winnie the Pooh. Shortly after its London production, a copy of Mr. Pym Passes By reached us. Within 24 hours, it had been read by Teresa Helbin and Maurice Wertheim, and forthwith, these two pledged Mr. Milne a New York production by cable. The decision was as happy as it was rapid. Next Sunday night, you'll hear Mr. Pym passes by with the attractive and witty Arlene Francis and Victor Jore as her husband. You've all heard Arlene Francis in Blind Date. Well, next Sunday, she has a blind date with the Theatre Guild on the air. States Steel Corporation hopes that you will be with us next week at the same time when we'll bring you A.A. Milne's immortal comedy, Mr. Pym Passes By. The staff for the Theatre Guild on the air includes Homer Fickett, director, George Condolph, producer, Armina Marshall, executive director of the radio department. The score was composed and conducted by Harold Levy, and tonight's play was adapted for radio by Arthur Allen. Your announcer, Norman Brokenshire. Thank you.